Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Pleasure to welcome you, Santiago, to Urbanistica podcast. Hey, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it is my pleasure to be here, not only in, in Sweden and Helsingborg, but it, to be part of Urbanistica. Thank you so much. So how are you doing? Tell me. Um, I'm doing fine. I'm trying to get to know a little bit more about all the practitioners, our experts that are working here in Sweden, trying to transform their own cities and to be able to take those lessons learned to back to Colombia. Yeah, so tell me, when did you arrive to Helsingborg? I arrived uh, yesterday, no, the day before yesterday. Uh, it was a little bit rainy, uh, but the weather has been uh, kind with us. Yeah. We have a lovely day. And I, I have the chance to walk around, see the city a little bit, but also speak with a lot of officials from the city, including the mayor, eh, as well with people from, from all over Europe. Yeah, that's amazing. So are you happy with the weather now? Because it's a bit sunny, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I think for, for people like me that we come from a tropical country where, where there's always a stable weather, it's also nice to have uh, changes, yeah. like to feel a little bit cold and, yeah. and see uh, how you adapted to that. Mm. It, but it's been great so far. Nice. And how was your day? Because you're part of Urban Future Global Conference. Uh, tell me, what did you do today? Well, this morning I uh, was part of one of the opening sessions, uh, talking about how to revitalize uh, uh, travel neighborhoods. And I try to play the game of words. Okay. If we travel, we, if we have travels revitalizing the neighborhoods, or if the neighborhoods are travel, uh. and, and play around with that because it's a question mark on, on especially when we talk about Latin American cities mm. and urban systems, uh, how to define define when a neighborhood is is travel. Yeah. And and, and more more exactly what kind of travels we are are we addressing when when it comes to uh, to address those uh, challenges with with communities and and people who are probably self uh, building their own community yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to talk about this and and me and the listeners are very interested in to know more about you your our storyteller so how would you like to introduce yourself and and tell us about your passion well, um, Santiago Uribe Rocha, um, probably a storyteller is very accurate. I love to tell stories. 
a that's been part of my my life as well, as well but I'm an anthropologist who's been interested about urban development I, I have done two masters on that one master on cities at the London School of Economics and another masters on urban and environmental processes in Colombia but before I studied conflict resolution in in South Africa and I lived there for almost 14 years and the three masters or, 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 st- or studies that I've done so far eh, have given me so much eh, ground in understanding urban challenges because what you don't address properly in cities becomes a conflict. Mm. And by having some skills on conflict resolution, I've uh, been able to to have a different perspective yeah. on those issues. Yeah. Santiago, tell me how, where you grew up, uh, how was like your childhood, more about you. I grew up in, in Medellin, Colombia, which was at the time the most violent city of the world, unfortunately, something that I don't feel proud of it, but it was hard, difficult. Uh, so many times we could not go to the streets and enjoy public life because Uh, what was happening there and the risk. Mm, but at the same time, it, it was a wonderful city, uh, vibrant, and people uh, wanting to change and, and be part of that change. Uh, I think uh, I'm also a soccer player. I love to play soccer, and, and for Colombians, that's like a dream. I played soccer for for many years for fun and almost professionally, mm. but but the coach was quite, uh, kind of very clear and said to me, "I think you should continue university studies." Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. finally, I ended up went, going to the university yeah. and and studying anthropology. Mm. Uh, but as a as a uh, as a citizen of 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 Medellin, I think we. We're very proud of, of, of a city that's been able to change uh, uh, a difficult reality, but also to acknowledge that we have so many challenges ahead. Yeah, yeah. And tell me why why you started to study just this specific topic. Uh, the truth is I was appointed chief resilience officer of the city and, and asked myself what resilient means and 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 specifically urban resilience uh, and to be honest uh, uh, I think I find myself with no ground at all and took me to do the two masters to understand uh, better urban systems and, and the processes that are happening in cities and it's been interesting because combining that with my anthropological my skills especially ethnography uh, as a as a practice i've been able to to go to the human scale of understanding cities and how important human beings are when we talk about urban systems mm. and in that case i think one of the most interesting findings is that cities are not infrastructure buildings or traffic lights or transport system but People, cities of people. That's the main unit and cell of urban systems. 
And anthropology allows you to go deep into that uh, and understand the reason why we do certain things. Yeah. So, so if we start to talk about cities, why it's so important to do planning in a participatory way and to, to engage community? The, the truth is, if, if cities are people, there is no other way by uh, include people in, in those processes of, of, of planning. Uh, and I personally believe that one of the major challenges today is is to promote active participation for 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 citizens. Uh, I think as a citizens we oftenly forget our duty to to participate in reshaping the city and transforming the city, and that's basically because democ- democracy. Uh, is taking us apart from that role. So we think when we vote uh, is is enough. Done, yeah. It's done. Yes, and the truth is not. It's just the it's just a part of it. Mm. Uh, but on on daily basis, we have to actively participate in in transforming our cities. And the best way to do that, or one of the most important ways, is is by being a actively engaging on planning and, and, and urban planning. And I don't think at the neighborhood level or at the municipal level, we we often participate on, on, on those workshops or meetings that allows people to bring their insights uh, and, and for city mayors and city councillors uh, to be able to hear people's voices and what they think about uh, their own city. But do you think it's a responsibility of citizens to be active, like the community should be active, or it's a responsibility for city to engage the community? I think both. I, I, I think it's, it's our responsibility because it's our city. So we, we need to create and, and advocate for spaces as well. Uh, but also for for politicians and city councillors, mayors, uh, to to open those spaces and, and and not only to open those spaces, but to be able to listen to people and taking those insights and transforming them into into advices and actions, uh, uh, especially when we talk about public policies. Mm. I don't know if it's the case of, of cities here in, in Europe, but in most of the Latin American cities, citizens' participation is just an obligation uh, that we tick on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have done the consultation, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very hard to translate that knowledge into, in, into practice and, and especially into public policies. Why it's hard? I think because the dynamics of the power dynamics of of democracy uh, are shaping mayors and city councillors and officials uh, in the way that they feel that that, that power uh, actually empowers them uh, uh, to have the right to decide about everything in, in, in our municipalities and in our cities. And also because 
as a citizen, we lay back and we allow them to to hold that power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and one of my invitations all the time is like we should really recover some of that power. And it doesn't need to be a fight or or, or resistance. Sometimes probably it, it, we need to to resist some some of the public policies and, and, and norms. But but it could be also a very friendly uh, uh, movement, mm. just asking and participating and opening spaces for people to talk for any kind of of, of citizens from children to youth, women, but also uh, immigrants from from other countries, uh, because we all meet in in the city, public spaces and and transport systems. Are the the places where we meet when we where we come together, and I think it's our duty and obligation to participate in in, in shaping them, transforming them, and, and also not only understand ourselves as consumers of cities or or or, or just users of cities and, and urban systems, but producers of yeah. of urban systems. But also, like, let's say now I'm talking from from a citizen perspective. So why should I get into this fight and headache? I am just let me just be at home and let them plan the city, and I shall. So so like, what's in it for me if I put so much energy and talk with municipality? What will I gain? Because if we don't do it, at some point, eh, cities will will face. Major challenges. I often say when it's a lack of communication and a lack of ideas, is conflict there. So by by participating, you're reducing the probability of of conflicts to emerge in in your city, but also to take ownership. I mean, uh, imagine if you don't participate in in actively participate in producing, reproducing your, your own house and your family. Uh, probably at some point you will face conflicts. Mm. Uh, and, and we are bigger families. Yeah. And when we don't talk to each other, when we don't bring ideas and collective ideas, that will go only one way, which is uh, we will face uh, conflicts. And the more you wait, the bigger the conflict. Yeah, yeah. I would love. I'm inter- very interested to 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 hear more about projects that you work with. So please share with us some project that you work with, and please in detail, so we here in in Europe learn from you. I think I'm going to talk about one that I've been studying, and I, I was not part of it. Mm. Partly, uh, I was close to, and then I will talk about another one that yeah. I've been actively involved. Uh, during the 90s, Medellin uh, was known as the most violent city of, of the world. And, and I think one of the lessons learned of, of our transformation was that at the time, a, a woman who was appointed minister for peace for our city, imagine that a president is so confused that has to appoint a, a, a minister yeah. for the city. Specific. Specific, yeah, specifically for, for that job. It, she came 
home and say, look, national government is not going to help us. They don't have the power or the resources. And the truth is we, we have to engage and, and actively participate in, in, in transforming our cities. Otherwise, we're really going to go deep into a major crisis. And, and what was interesting about that process is she understood that she was not able to do it herself. And she established something that was amazingly ahead on, 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 on time. And imagine in the 90s, she talked about the importance of citizens' participation. So she established a, a strategy called Roundtables on, on Alternative Futures. And the principle was very simple. We probably won't agree on the past and all the root causes of what's been happening in our city, but what if we get together and agree on the future city we all want to be part of it? And, and she took that job very serious and went to every single neighborhood of Medellin, 238, and for four years, the these round tables. And what I'm what I'm I'm actually sharing this is because at the same time that I was living in South Africa, South Africa was going through a, a peace process. And they have a very similar strategy called LPCs, local peace committees, at neighborhood and uh, municipal level. And when people were called to participate to actively participate in rethinking South Africa, it, it was all about the same principle. Probably we won't agree on what happened and why we had apartheid, but what if we come together and think on our future, on the nation that we want to be part of it? And when you bring future uh, as a topic into the table, you change the mood of the dialogue. Uh, because people normally see future from an optimistic way. We don't, I mean, we don't want a bad future for any of us. And there's a, a, actually a very interesting uh, methodology to bring everyone into a different mood in the middle of a crisis and allows people to come together honestly and talk about challenges. Because if you want to talk about the future, you have to address uh, your present challenges. Uh, and I think that's something that we should do more often in cities. Yeah, uh, Bring people together uh, again and again uh, uh, to talk about the future cities and the future uh, urban systems that we want to be part of. It. And uh, specifically, um, I did an amazing work with my team. Uh, we, at, uh, at the time, 1999, 2000, year 2000, we were appointed to sort of spread children's rights in, in, in our communities. And, and I say to myself, I'm, I'm sure that the children know about their rights, and we took a different approach. We actually opened spaces throughout to identify what children 
understood about their rights and to come and to put together a new a new declaration of children's rights and it was amazing because immediately they engaged in another conversation it was no any longer about teaching them the children's rights but for them allowing them to produce new knowledge uh, and to be uh, critical about their own life uh, to be open and also to think about the future and how children are, are, are able to participate in, in producing a, not only knowledge, but, a, a, but also a spaces for, for dialogue. And we took that project for about two and a half years and we published a book, which is a dictionary from A to Z, with all the concepts that we have to agree on about children's rights. And it was done through painting, music, dancing, eh, in, and many eh, artistic expressions eh, that allow kids and youngsters to come together and, and talk about the, the challenges in an, in an urban system. And a final one, which I enjoy so much, eh, we fake money, Colombian money, <laughs> <laughs> in an in an artistic way, uh, we fake one thousand notes of one thousand pesos. So we made our first million, <laughs> and one thousand kids wrote each of one, each of them in 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 the note what they will do if they become rich. Okay, and it was an interesting project for that allows them uh, to talk through art but also allow us to understand how children uh, perceive the value of things. Mm. And, and, and it's another perspective. Uh, they, they have more solidarity with their neighbors uh, because every time we ask them, what would you do if you make your first million? Uh, it was always about sharing and allowing all these dreams, not only your own dreams and, and, and desires, but allowing your moms, your, your, your parents, your brother, sister, your neighbor, and, and sometimes, in, in, sometimes also uh, being able to share that with the city and, and, and thinking about, with that I will make a park for all of us, uh, or I will renovate my school, and that tells a lot about the collective idea of, of a city. I think we, we miss in that point, that we hear because an, a city is a collective idea that we build together. And, and sometimes children bring you back into that and you reflect on that and the importance of, of our role, of, of, of our collective role as citizens. Mm -hmm. But you work a lot with with art and and citizens participation why why art i mean because art is is a, a philosophy but also a language that allows you uh, to reduce tensions as you were asking me why do um why i want to participate and take the risk and and face with others but when you use art it People are more open, relaxed, but also 
uh, it touched the essence of human beings. I mean, at, at the beginning of, of, of our societies, arts was at the center of, of, of our uh, best way to, to communicate with each other. And I think cities should really use art more often, not only to to be placed in in, in parks or, or or to be used in museums, but to actively engage with with citizens, yeah, yeah. because it opens also new ways of communication. People are more honest, eh, and. You have fun as well. At, at, the, at the same time, you you're doing a serious work. You 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 have the the time for enjoying that, and and you will you be very surprised. It goes deep into into different ways of of understanding our cities, mm-hmm. and I I will invite any any city to. To engage more on, on on bringing arts as as a tool, not as a tool, as a language for for city planning. Mm. Does it work like in in Colombia or in the cities that you work with art? Does people like all of them happy about it, or they still say, "Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Why they did it like this?" You know, like sometimes when we do how to say um, a painting on a wall. Some people likes it, some people doesn't. So the city say, okay, I don't want this discussion and conflict. Let's skip art at all. I mean, there is always those who are resistant or don't want to engage, and and that's part of democracy. I mean, we don't, we 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 do not need everyone to agree on 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 the same language or the same uh, expression uh, and and that's uh, part of our uh, purely richness that we are diverse so my my message is we should open as many spaces and diverse methodologies uh, to allow citizens to come together and talk about the issues the challenges but also the way the way they they actually come together to propose uh, solutions, sometimes through arts, sometimes through technology. Today, I mean, a podcast like this is a good example for for people to engage on city, city planning uh, issues, to be interested, to prepare themselves for probably a call of, of the city to, to, to actively participate on those processes. Uh, but also it could be uh, uh, by voting on a specific referendum to to pedestrianize a, a street, like the example we seen from Vienna today by Maria Vasilakos, who was the deputy mayor of Vienna. Uh, it it could be by any means, mm. uh, and 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 art is just one of them that we should really use. More often, but we 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 have to be aware that citizens. Uh, I mean, to engage with citizens, you have to be very creative, and that's a a, 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 
public servant duty mm. to to open as many chan- channels for citizens to to participate mm. in many ways possible mm. and also um i want you to 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 simplify and explain to me and to the listeners like about city resilience what is it about in in a very simple and clear way and 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 i'm going to do it because that's the lesson learned after probably interviewing more than 300 people and walking the streets of of my city having workshops and and meetings and and one of them when i asked him how do you define resilience and he said resilience is all about one single principle learning if you learn from your past uh, and you introduce the lessons learned into your future planning uh, and you're able to produce and reproduce better systems you are uh, truly a resilient agent uh, so most of the time people when when we talk about resilience people think that is a very complex concept Uh, and, and I'm sure if you wanted to become complex, there are words and a lot of studies about it. But it's very simple. If you, uh, and, and in the case of Medellin, if, if we face violence and in 30 years you have learned nothing, you're probably not the, way, the, the good example on resilience. But if you learn from your own experience and you're able to introduce change and that change goes in the positive way that you allow your city and your citizens to have a much better quality of life you you truly resilient so in that case it's still a question mark in, in in our city if we are resilient enough i mean and and with that i would like to to give a message on whatever we do in reducing inequalities and, and addressing social challenges and environmental challenges in, in urban systems, they're very fragile. They, they can go away. And a good example of that, and I would say we're not in a resilient world, is that after two world wars, we're facing again that threat. Mm, mm, mm. Exactly the same. Mm. through propaganda wrong messages power fights and we sitting here meanwhile they they fight in a war they that es- that could escalate mm. within days like yeah. it happened in 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 the first and the second world war so probably we know we're not a resilient world enough mm-hmm. because we 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 haven't been able to apply the lessons learned from from our own past mm. and it looks like we repeated yeah very same, often same same mistakes the same mistakes yeah. yes so what what is like what is your advice or the different main steps that cities should take in order to be more resilient do i have like some okay first do like this second do like this I think one of the first steps is to acknowledge the challenges of of the city 
and do you know deny them or hide from them? Sometimes we it's easy to hide or, or deny that something is happening uh, when it comes to violence or, or migration or job losses, economic uh, economic failures, uh, transport systems, uh, and especially when 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 you are a politician, it's very easy to to hide and, and not to address them. So the first step is to be honest, open, and to bring as much as evidence and, and data, but also perceptions from citizens to acknowledge the challenges of, of your city and to name them and, and to, to, to understand them properly. Uh, and then you need academia, you need citizens, you need people from different religions, different backgrounds and neighbors to bring together all that knowledge into the table and to, to acknowledge that we as a collective uh, and as a society, we addressing a challenge. And by addressing and acknowledging a challenge, to be able to bring, as, uh, as I was telling you earlier, the future perspective. What have we learned so far to address that challenge? Because it's been probably there for decades and, and introduce the lessons learned, but also we are part of a, a, a globalized world. So to ask others for help. And you can find help in countries like Syria, South Africa, the United States, Canada, Mozambique, because we we all address challenges in different ways, and that diversity is probably the true richness of urban systems. That probably that one that you don't think will be able to help you inspires you to to address that challenge in a different way. Uh, and, 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 and that's truly resilience, to be able to call upon for help. Like, we need help. Please help us. Uh, and, and I remember in the case of Medellin during the 90s, many countries and many societies came together and helped Medellin. Uh, but because we... We raise our hand and we say we need help. It's 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 too big for us, and that's nothing wrong. I mean, and sometimes politicians are uh, not conscious of that. Uh, you don't find very often a mayor who says, uh, "I can't. Please help me. Uh, I'm not a superhero. <laughs> I want your help. I don't have answers for this." And, and, and that's one of the dark sides of, of democracies that with power it comes the denial of the human side of, 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 of leadership and, and a good leader is, that, is the one who's able to, to, to step up and say I, I don't know how to address this uh, uh, I need help so 
if I ask you what is the biggest mistake that cities doing in order to not become resilient cities? I think one one of the biggest mistakes is, is actually planning or engaging on 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 urban planning from the desk and the what you call the expert a kind of advice because you find so many experts of everything around the world and and they're important and you have to to bring them on the table but that that shouldn't be the only voice in in urban planning sometimes the technical side of of planning is too cold is too far from realities uh, and is too far from 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 citizens uh, so that's one of the mistakes i often see in cities and also being afraid of of opening the space for for citizens participation it's much more easier to shut down the door because once you open it and you encourage you you face difficult times yeah. i mean you have to acknowledge that some things are not going well mm. that you probably not doing very well in some aspects of the development of your city and that requires strong personalities for for public servants and and mayors to say Yeah, I'm here. I don't have answers for everything, and and I, I acknowledge that we we're not ready for this or or for any specific uh, uh, role, and that's often one of the mistakes that you see in in, in public life, uh, shutting the door for for citizens' participation and 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 to listen uh, other perspectives. In, and a very simple example. Once we were drafting our uh, peace strategy or peace building strategy of the city, and we had the advice of of, of a South African team, and we were sitting on a table, and Albisag said, "Are you making peace among friends? <laughs> Where are the others?" Sometimes it's so difficult to bring that other voice on, mm. into the table, the one that isn't doesn't agree with us, because it makes us uncomfortable, and that's a big mistake when it comes to, uh, to urban planning. Yeah, but but tell me, let let's say like there are some planners or architects that are afraid of bringing other voices to the table in order to not become to face the conflict and so on. So how? How should they think? Like, do you have an advice so they change their minds? Like, how to face this conflict? Um, I think they should bring more social scientists into the table as well to help them to understand that that to talk with people is also a strategy that you can do it with methodologies that. That is something that requires training uh, and practice, mm. and not to be afraid of it and recognize that 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 the power of of 
of the pencil designing the city requires many voices and 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 I've seen many architects who been able to engage on deep conversations and how much they gain yeah when they they actually open that door and how much the the urban planning and designing uh, gets those those insights as, as fruitful conversations and how they translate into really really rich designs and, and rich uh, strategic planning uh, uh, documents yeah so I will encourage uh, any urban planner or architect uh, to to ask for help if they don't know how to do it uh, to acknowledge that uh, that's a, a, a practice that requires a, a specific skills but also to learn I mean I was not an urban planner and I opened myself to that and I've been learning about it and I think we we can all learn different skills and and acknowledge that our others are much better equipped and prepared to to a specific job but to 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 listen to citizens is something that we should all if we if if you're engaged on 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 any city level planning process, something that we should all learn about it. Uh, and, and we should all be conscious about it uh, on how to bring citizens' voices and diversity into into the table and in, into that broader dialogue of planning your city. Mm. Well, let's say, Santiago, let's say I am an urban planner and I bring, or an architect, I bring citizens to the table and we talk. Then their their needs and vision is not really aligned with what I want to do and what the municipality wants to do. Then it's a it's a conflict. So how can I explain to the citizen that um, we have a thirty plan of uh, twenty fifty and we need to do this and it's not really uh, aligned with what you want? Do you understand the situation? Oh yeah. Yeah. So how how do I deal with this? So, then it's like a headache for me. Then I I make a fight, and maybe I shouldn't invite the citizens at all. But the conflict is not about the citizens' perspective or, or knowledge that they bring on the table. the The conflict is because you come with a pre con uh, a, a pre concept into the table. Uh, and, and that's wrong. If you if you're in urban planning, uh, you have to be open to understand that sometimes you you're gonna face that what citizens are are referring to is actually against what you're thinking about it. I and in the other hand. Technical knowledge is important, so you you have to bring to to come to the table openly and say, "Look, uh, probably what we're trying to bring here it, it comes from a technical perspective, and what would 
what you're trying to to say here comes from a community perspective. How can we agree into a middle point, mm. or how can you, uh, how can I explain better the need for this, mm. uh, or that we require this in in in, in our societies, uh, but not to impose something. Mm. Uh, and a, a very simple example is normally transport systems are clearly a need and you sometimes you have to develop and deliver that and 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 sometimes communities that feel affected are not happy but they're not happy with the they happy with the transport system but they're not happy because they're affected mm. so you have to negotiate that you yeah. can't just do it and 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 deliver deliver uh, or implement a specific strategy without addressing that dark side. Sometimes it's recognizing, yes, this is going to happen and it's going to be hard. And and we acknowledge that yeah. to you and you should be compensated in many ways, not only economical ways, but sometimes it's, it's about memories, mm. history, is about recognizing them uh, with dignity. Uh, you have to do it. Mm. Otherwise, conflict will emerge. Yeah, yeah. What should architects and urban planners stop doing when they plan cities? Hmm. I, I think they con- sometimes they confuse citizen participation with consultation and those are two different things what explain what do you mean consultation is when you ask uh, and participation is when you open the door for questions and not only for questions uh, 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 to something but to question the essence of yourself Mm. uh, uh, as a citizen because no matter if you're an urban planner or an architect, you're also a, a, a person and a citizen. And we should open that door always uh, to to come back to a human scale and allow others to challenge you as a human, mm. as a human being. Uh, and uh, to, to put in others' shoes and to understand that sometimes they, they bring a point into the table. Uh, because when you look at, at those perspectives, it's nothing else but being at that side of of mm. of the of the dialogue. Uh, because if it's a challenge between perspectives and a technical view, there will never be empathy. Uh, an architect and urban planners. Uh, to be trained on on, on 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 empathy and how to to understand better uh, citizens that are pro- probably disagree or are in disagreement with your ideas uh, at least to question yourself mm. why this person is challenging this mm-hmm. uh, because if you come to the table and say, no, I have the reason, and these are 
all the technical facts, there is no point for dialogue. So build the city yourself. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's what has been happening for many years. True. Architects with so many power eh, that they don't want anyone to, to be part of it. Yeah. And what you ended up having is a beautiful piece of a building or something eh, that is just egocentric for someone to say that was the one who I designed this. Mm. Uh, but probably citizens for citizens that doesn't mean anything. Mm. And if you if you are in charge of all cities on this planet, and you are allowed to add one rule, or add one thing like policy, or add a physical thing, what will you add to our cities? I think neither. I will encourage citizens to uh, to understand the power of of a small participation and active participation uh, it doesn't need to be public policies all the time and it doesn't need to be infrastructure all the time uh, we often deny the power of of small actions to transform what is the most important tool to transform cities, which is nothing else but culture. Mm. We will probably get cars away, not because economical drivers or reasons or technical, but because we embrace the need for a change and then becomes culture mm. and a habit. Uh, otherwise, is is a fight that we're gonna lose. Mm. Uh, so we we oftenly forget the power of of culture as, a, as, a, as that powerful tool that brings us all together into collective transformation. Mm. And and back back to your story, like you travel a lot, you study a lot. If you go back in time and, and, and change one thing or redo one thing, what will you do? Ah, I will go back to South Africa in 1996 mm. uh, to be an exchange student, to be able to, uh, to expose myself to uncertainties, to learn another language. I will probably learn more than one or two uh, because then you understand that is not just a language, but it's a new way to think about the world. Mm. Uh, like sitting here and, and being able to speak in English is not only about translating, but uh, un understanding that there is another possibility to think about the world. Mm. Uh, and I can imagine how Swedish people think, or people from Syria or from Mozambique, it's another uh, universe, the way we construct our world and how we explain it and how we bring new ideas into a table. So I will encourage myself to learn and to travel more and to learn more languages uh, and to be in contact with more diversity and to embrace diversity as one of the richest, uh, the, 
the richness of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. What are your hobbies? Do you have time? I do, I do. Uh, I love to walk and run. Uh, I used to run marathons because I'm a stubborn. And if you run marathons, you better be stubborn enough <laughs> <laughs> to push yourself to to the limits. Um, I used to play soccer a lot. Uh, but but also I I love to walk around the city, talk to people, uh, do some dancing that I'm not often doing it now this time. Uh, engaging in, in in useless conversations. That's what useless conversations? Well <laughs> sometimes it's important to talk It's just for the pleasure of talking okay. with, with other people. It, it hasn't it doesn't need to be serious all the time to go for a, 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 a to go for a coffee or beer with friends and and talk yeah. a, a, about simple things that's important that's that's very interesting and how much you learn from from that. Mm, but I would say walk walking the the streets of a city is one of the pleasures that are that I enjoy the most mm. what is what is your daily routine like back at home in Colombia when do you wake up what do you do If normally I wake up between five five thirty in the morning because I have eleven dogs and they eleven dogs eleven dogs wow rescue from the streets and they're amazing they part of our lives it's a big responsibility and sometimes they drive me mad (laughs) (laughs) if if i have time i go running or cycling uh, mountain biking uh, because we live in a a sort of like a mountain around around the city at seven i go uh, to work And I work from seven to twelve. Then I have lunch, and then do you work? Do you go to the office? We don't have an office any longer. It's no? a space. Okay. Uh, we used to, but with COVID nineteen, uh, we said maybe there's we, no need. We don't need it. So the city is becoming our office. So wow, we meet everywhere. Uh, Then in the afternoon, I plan meetings and interviews. I'm also a teacher at the university, so I prepare my lectures. Then I go back home at 5, 6 p.m. I cook because I love to cook. And then we read something, we watch a movie. And then we go to sleep. Uh, and during the weekends, it's like time for go around with our dogs, cycling a little bit more, read about it. I'm doing a PhD, which is something wow. very challenging <laughs> <laughs> uh, and requires a lot of time. Uh, and, and, and I engage in many, many activities mm-hmm. because I'm those type of of persons who needs to 
to be active yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and I enjoy it. So I, I try to engage myself as, as many activities I can do in a day. Mm. Do you bring work back home when you come? Not really. I'm, I'm, you, you I'm really bad on working at home. Okay. I, I mean, afternoon, like when you finish, do you also think about, okay, or emailing? and? I keep, not even emails. I keep thinking, of course, sometimes I answer some emails and WhatsApp messages and all of that, but I try to disconnect myself. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and especially during the weekends, uh, try to disconnect and do something else. Yeah. And it could be just sit back and relax. I mean, I'm not an art workaholic, but I love, I love to work hard. Mm-hmm. And I, there is importance to, to divide those spaces and time in your life. Yeah. Santiago, if you can choose to be something, but not a human, You can choose to be anything, a tree, uh, I don't know, water, anything but not a human. What will you choose to be and why? Something that represents you. You can take time and think about it. Probably a jaguar. Jaguar? Yes. It's been always an animal that I knows a lot about the jungle and it's also humble in the way that, that recognize the power of others is a cat but he knows how to swim very well he's sort of shy but he knows his power very well and it represents Latin America they're very intelligent animals and That's something that I haven't been able to tell you, but besides loving urban environments, I have spent a lot of time walking in, into jungles of Colombia uh, and learning from indigenous communities, learning from, from the environment, uh, and just by walking uh, into the wild and, and just to meet this highlands of, of, of a jungle is an amazing experience. And being able to face a jaguar and to see how they walk and they, how they look at you uh, is something that I always uh, wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. Now that's very interesting. And uh, I have the last two questions. The first one is going to be about you, giving me and the listener Three takeaway messages. What should we think about when we plan and design our future cities? I think a clear message is that we should actively participate on shaping our cities on a daily basis, engaging as a citizens in, in, in that consciously. Also, participating in the planning processes of city uh, with our neighbors and with the municipality and city officials uh, and, and to know not only our rights but our duty to 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 be part of that uh, of that process uh, 
and probably the the simple the simple one is to walk the streets of our city to encourage yourself to get to know places that you probably won't go like those not to go places because then you find that they incredibly amazing that there is not truly a place not to go in any city uh, and that comes from from a person who live in one of the most violent cities and you have so many of those red spots that people advise you not to go and every time I go I ended up finding myself in an amazing place that actually I feel secure that people Friendly, that they're curious, that they open, and I ended up learning a lot about myself and about the city. So I will encourage everyone to walk as much as you can in your cities and in any city and learn and learn about just walking and looking at, at people's and buildings and roads. And the interactions and how we interact with the city is actually a really, really good practice. Thanks. And the last question is going to be you asking it to me and to the listeners. So what is your question to ask? Why don't you participate actively in urban planning processes mm. what is stopping you mm. to to actively engage on, on those processes interesting well Santiago thank you so much for, for giving your time to record the, the episode very happy to talk to you and I am looking forward to hear more stories from Colombia thank you for, for inviting me and inviting us because I'm here representing a city not just myself and I hope that we keep in touch that probably you come to Colombia, you walk the streets together. Uh, I think podcasts uh, are an amazing tool, uh, a very modern one. And if you combine that uh, with some street walking, mm. they probably one of the most powerful tools for urban planning. Mm. So I will invite you to, to do so. And every time you get get a guest from another city push yourself to go to that city and challenge the speaker knowledge and, and, and bring your own perspective about, yeah. about that city and um, probably you will travel a lot <laughs> in the near future <laughs> and you will find yourself yeah. as, a, as an expert on, on cities yeah thank you so much Thank you. Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You learned something new and also got inspired by the guest. Don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic. Thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.